Welcome to Annunciation with Father David. Father David is the priest at Annunciation Greek Orthodox Church in Decatur, Illinois, where every week people are connected to the ancient wisdom of Orthodox Christianity. Here is Father David. Christ is in our midst. Good morning. Now as we move forward in our study of the Divine Liturgy, today we come upon the homily. Because the proper place of the homily is actually right after the Gospel reading. Because that is the most appropriate time to teach. You have just read Scripture, both the Epistle and the Gospel. It's fresh in people's minds, and it is the time and it is the place for the homily, the teaching, to happen. And therefore, it is quite apropos that today we celebrate St. John Chrysostom, whose moniker, Chrysostom, means golden-mouthed. And he was called golden-mouthed because of his homilies. He was uh, legendary. People would gather all around to hear him speak because he was such a gifted speaker and the things and the things that he had to teach the people were so marvelous. Today, he is one of the most prolific of all of the fathers of the church that we have because we have homilies for the Gospel of John, the Gospel of Matthew, and most of the epistles from St. John Chrysostom. And one of the things that you will note if you are familiar with the writings of St. John Chrysostom is that he almost always ends up applying what is in the Scripture to what you and I should be doing in our lives. And that's what a teacher does. Takes a large idea, a concept, breaks it down, makes it digestible, for someone to understand and then be able to apply to their own life. And in today's Gospel, we see Christ doing that. A lawyer comes up to Christ and asks, how do I earn eternal life? And so Christ asks him, well, what's the greatest command? And the greatest command is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered right. Do this and you will live. The lawyer wanted to justify himself though. And if we think about it, the average American today is the lawyer. We as Americans know what we should be doing. We are a Christian nation and a Christian culture. We want to do the right thing, but we also want to justify ourselves. We want to justify some of the choices that we make as Americans. And so today we find ourselves, after making a very large choice for the entire country, with two very large groups of people trying to justify their behavior, justify the choice that they made, thinking that their position and their choice was the proper and right choice the choice of good over evil. And so 
Christ tells us a parable of the man who is waylaid by criminals and left for dead at the side of the road. And we have a Pharisee who comes along, and because he wants to obey the law and not touch a dead body, he crosses the street and goes around so that there's no question as to whether or not he's touched a dead body, so he is justified. And then along comes a Levite, and he does the same thing, obeying the law, not touching a dead body, and going around so that there's no question. That's what Americans today are doing. And then a Samaritan, the lowest of the low, worse than the Gentiles, comes along, approaches the body to see if it's still alive, finds it alive, and does everything in his power to make sure that the man is healed of his wounds, and is able to live comfortably while he heals. Okay. Gives the innkeeper two denarii and promises to pay whatever else is necessary in order to keep this person, this man who is waylaid, comfortable and healthy. And of course, Christ then asks the lawyer and in turn asks us which of these three men was the neighbor, the good neighbor. And of course, it's the Samaritan. Obviously. And so therefore, teachers, Christ being the greatest teacher of us all, have a responsibility to remind people that this lesson needs to be applied in our lives. We must take a step back and quit trying to justify ourselves and see each other first and foremost as neighbors. And remember, a neighbor is not someone who agrees with you. A neighbor is not someone who looks like you. A neighbor is not someone who belongs to the same party as you. A neighbor is not someone who made the same vote as you. A neighbor is everybody. Everybody. We have spent so many years in this country trying to define ourselves as groups, as Hispanics and Latinos, as African Americans, as homosexuals, as women, as Democrats, as Republicans, as you name it. They've got a group for it. That when we meet someone, rather than seeing them as, hey, look, there's a fellow human being. We see them rather as one of these groups. And we have a tendency when we see them as part of a group rather than as a, as a human being to treat them as something less than a human being. We stop treating each other as neighbors. And so at this point in time in the history of our country, where it appears as if we are more divided, at least in my lifetime, that we as Christians need to lead the way and remind people that we need to see people as human beings, not as Republican, Democrat, African-American, white, Latino, gay, straight, whatever. And let me take this back to St. John Chrysostom, who I love dearly, because St. John Chrysostom did not want to be the golden mouthed. He did not want to be a priest or a bishop. He did not want to be one of the greatest homilists the church has ever known. He wanted to be a hermit and a monastic because his, in his mind, the path of the monastic was the best path and that married people were on a path that was not as holy, not as good, not as beneficial 
And so he retreated to a cave out in the wilderness and prayed and lived the life of a hermit. He lumped people into different groups, monastics and married. And because he refused to see married people as human beings, he thought less of them. And so God, for his benefit, gave John Chrysostom stomach problems so that he could no longer live out in the wilderness, that he had to come back to the city. And while he was in the city, the bishop grabbed him and ordained him. And as a priest, as a teacher, he had to deal with married couples. He had to counsel them through their difficulties. He had to counsel them through their good times, through giving childbirth, through every aspect of life that men and women who are married to each other have to go through. And he began to see these people are on a blessed path. Their trials and tribulations can bring them as close to God as being out in a cave or living in a monastery can. God is perfectly capable of entering into a marriage and elevating these people to sainthood in the same way that he is capable of elevating those who are celibate in monasteries or in hermitages up to being saints. He learned to see married people as human beings, as holy. And so today, for us in the United States, John Chrysostom stands as a model for what we should be doing. That there isn't a walk of life that God cannot reach down into and elevate into sainthood. Everyone we run into on a daily basis is a potential saint. Every person we run into on a daily basis is a potential Orthodox Christian. And certainly every person that we run into is first and foremost a human being created according to the image and likeness of God that deserves God's love. And if we expose these people to that love, all the divisions, all of them will fall away. And all that would be left is the realization, this person whom I saw as an other, this person who I saw as a threat is a brother or a sister in Christ. And it is our job to live a life to expose people to that love so that they can come to this revelation and the love that God has for everyone. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, now and forever and to the ages of ages. Amen.